Uh, please do continue those conversations uh, after the service. We do have a, a light refreshment time with some nibbles and drinks and stuff. Uh, it's great to get to know each other better. Um, that's what it's all about in terms of living out what Jesus has done for us, his love for one another. Um, so um, it's great that you can be here today. Um, we're, we're sort of interrupting our usual Bible teaching because um, we've been going through the book of Job. Um, I kind of thought Job might feel a little bit different in terms of the kind of feel and mood, um, in terms of his anguish and difficulty. Uh, on a Sunday where we want to, well, we can praise God during our trials as well. And, um, and there is full, Job is full of praise, but I thought we could do a, a look at Psalm. And um, you might know the book of Psalms. I don't know if you've spent much time reading it um, yourself. Um, there, it's, quite, it's quite a lot of Psalms, isn't there? There's 150-odd Psalms. Um, I don't know if you sort of scanned through or, or kind of looked at the different parts and felt, thought, oh, this bit feels quite different to the bit later on or that kind of thing. Um, I was actually, um, after deciding on Psalm 145, um, I then heard that Kenny had preached a psalm last week, so I thought, okay, well, um, I'm on, to, on the right track. Um, and then I went to a conference this week, and guess what they were t- teaching on? The psalms. Um, so he was sharing about how the book of psalms kind of all fits together. Um, it's the experience in the early chapters or the early psalms of King David, um, who was Israel's king. And his experience as a king who had been anointed, uh, but then was being persecuted. God's enemies were coming against him. So in the first chapters, uh, the first collection of psalms um, to, to about uh, 50, uh, you get these experiences of David and him reflecting on that. And then the speaker was saying, well, actually, as you get towards the end of the psalms, um, you get chapters uh, which, well, for the middle bit, there's no psalms of David. And at the end, you get this uh, eruption into praise. From um, If you just flick backwards in your Bibles um, to Psalm 107. You'll see that just above in our Bibles we've got um, the words Book 5. And you thought, oh well, we're in the Book of Psalms. No, but it's split into five sections. And um, so the, the, uh, the last section of the Psalms starts off, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And if you look um, at the ones that follow Psalm 108, I will sing, um, you know, uh, praise the Lord in Psalm 11, uh, praise the Lord in Psalm 112, praise the Lord in Psalm 113. Um, the theme is of praise, just jubilant praise. And you've got to ask the question, well, what causes this praise? What causes David, who's at a particular moment in time, he's heard of God's promises He's experienced some persecution and threats to his throne, but God has been faithful to him. What causes this massive eruption of praise? Well, what you start to see is that actually David realises that God's future king that is coming, and there's something that is going to be certain and fulfilled in that future king, King Jesus. And that's what causes him to be so um, exuberant in his praise. Uh, It kind of erupts. Um, So if you look with me at Psalm 110, uh, we're just going to look at that to start off with. And this is an example of of David looking ahead to that future king. He's not speaking of himself here. He is king, but he's not speaking of himself. So we'll read Psalm 110. The Lord, that's Yahweh, God, says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. 
The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. From the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the hot wide earth. He will drink from the brook, by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. Um, has anyone heard the word since uh, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right, right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? Has anyone heard that before? Yeah. Does anyone know anywhere in the New Testament where that is referred to? In the Gospels, yeah? Do you know who refers to that part of the Bible? I mean, you could probably guess because it's the Gospels, right? Jesus. Jesus refers to that part of the Bible. And he says to the Pharisees, you know, uh, who is David's Lord then? Because they're questioning him and his authority. He's saying, well, answer me this question. Who is David's Lord? The Lord says to my Lord, David says. So here we get Jesus himself saying, this is about me. Passage is about me, the coming king, the forever king, uh, and this, and that explains why this part of the Bible, Psalms, um, shifts into almost an, another gear overload of just praise for what God has done. Um, David, in his lifetime, has um, seen God fulfil His promise to send the people to a land, to give them the land, and to be faithful to that promise, a place here on earth. Uh, but he hasn't seen the the fullness of everything that God is going to do. But he knows that God is faithful, and that's what he speaks about in Psalm 145. Um, So let's look at it together. I'm going to read uh, the whole psalm, and then we're going to look at it under a few headings. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of your might, of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give give thanks to you, O God, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power, to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth 
says David, will speak the praise of the Lord. And let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen. Um, So top and bottom of this psalm you get David saying, I will praise you. I'll use my mouth to praise you, Lord. Um, So he returns to that in verse 21. Uh, But notice he says, my God and king in verse 1. David is the king, but he has a king. He has one who is king over him, over all. And he refers to him as my God and king. Uh, Later on in the psalm, uh, particularly that last bit, verse 21, David's going to call on all creation to to bless the name of the Lord, to join him in praising. So he is going to refer to others in this psalm and get us on board with it. But his first audience in verse 1 is God. Simply praising God. He wants God to receive his praise. He wants God to hear his praises. It's for him. His praises for God. I will praise you, says David. In, that, in, in multiple ways, he says it. I will extol you. I will bless your name. Um, I will praise your name. And he doesn't imagine it being a short-lived thing either, does he? He says, this is going to be something that is for now, for me now, but it's going to be forever and ever. He says that, doesn't he? Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. So David's praise uh, imagines this praise continuing on for all eternity. Not just for him, not just for church on Sundays, and not just for us now in one particular moment, but for all eternity. And this God will be praised. And first up, he says he's going to be praised because of his greatness in verse 3. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. So he's worthy because he's great. He's more great than anyone else or more great than any of us can even imagine or understand. That's how great he is. And that's sort of a headline to what's going to come further on in the psalm. And then in verse 4, he switches to say, hey, look, this is the way in which I have come to hear of his greatness about this Lord, about this God. He says, one generation shall commend your works to another, shall declare your mighty acts... And I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, verse 6, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. He's saying others are going to make known how wonderful you are. They are going to be the ones who have spoken about your wondrous deeds, your mighty acts. Um, Now, of course, David's the king at that point in time. Of course, he's referring back to all that God has done for Israel, for God's people, bringing them out of slavery under Pharaoh, bringing them to be a people for himself, making his covenant with them. He's referring to that, isn't he? And we know he's got that in mind because of verse 8 and 9. If you look at verse 8 and 9, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. Another little um, one, then, if you didn't catch the one earlier. Uh, where else is referred to the Lord being compassionate and gracious, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in love? Anyone? Sorry? 
Yeah, probably. I, I guess he probably does, reflecting back. I'm thinking even further back than Psalms, though. Sorry? Who said Exodus? I heard it somewhere. Okay. Ding, ding, Stephanie. Um, Exodus, well done. It's actually towards the end of Exodus. Um, Exodus 34. 33, actually. Um, if you turn with it, me to that... Sorry, chapter 34. And we'll pick it up from verse 5. Exodus 34, verse 5. Notice we're at the end of the book of Exodus, or, or later stages of the book of Exodus. He's already brought them out of Egypt through the Red Sea, done all of that he's already revealed his name to Moses in the early chapters but here he says um, when he meets with uh, Moses um, he says this in verse 5 the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with Moses there and proclaimed the name of the Lord the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed the Lord the Lord a God merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity or sin of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head towards the earth and worshipped. And he said, if, I, if now I have found favour in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. So, in the middle of David's psalm about the wondrous, the mighty acts of God, the wondrous deeds, all that he has done, he quotes this chapter from Exodus. God having done all of that for Israel, and uh, the point at which he is promising to them in the next verse, uh, verse 10, um, Behold, I am making a covenant before your people, I will do marvels such as have not been created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall seek the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do for you, with you. And then he says, Behold, in verse 11, I will drive out before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Basically, he's saying, I'm going to get you into the land that I promised you. He's renewing his covenant to them. You're my people. I'm going to get you into the land. And so if David is reflecting on that... It's already happened, hasn't it? They're already in the land. But he's reflecting on that and he's saying, this speaks of what God is yet to do as well. What did God have to do with bringing people into the land? He had to save them from Egypt and bring them as his people. And they they gave up the land because they're unfaithful to him, but he said, I will bring you back from exile into the land. And what Jesus does is by dying for our sins, is he brings us back into the presence of God. He allows us access again to the presence of God so that we would be with God in his place, in his new creation forever. And this is what causes David to go, wow. He stands there and he thinks, wow, I can see that, God, you've been faithful to keep that promise to be in land. I'm here, but you know what? It's bigger than me. It's bigger than me because you are going to bring all people who trust in you 
into your new creation through your son. And he goes, wow. That's why he's saying this is so wonderful. It is reason to praise him, isn't it? That he's doing that amazing work, that mighty work, and revealing his gracious character by bringing people to know him. And in verse 10, he refers to the whole thing of, you know, this is going to escalate because there's going to be more and more people speaking of what God has done. Um, In verse 10, he returns to that theme that we saw in verse 4. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. Sorry, back in Psalm 145. Um, All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. So the the speaking of what God has done is going to continue and it's going to, in, in the middle of that is the revealing of God's character, who he is, the Lord, who is gracious and merciful as he brings people to know him, as he saves people from sin. And it causes David to get down on his knees and say, wow, wow, you're God. Wow, you're doing this. It's bigger than me. It's, it's amazing what you're doing. And he praises you. I will, I will extol you. I will bless your name. I will praise your name forever and ever, not just today. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. And we're just going to look uh, for the remainder of our time at verses 14 uh, to 20. If you can look across the page. And the thing I've I've been learning from this bit of the Bible is um, it speaks about how God is good and faithful. And it speaks to how he's good and faithful to different groups of people. Um, So in verse um, 14 and 15, and 16 actually, you can see that it's for... He's, he's good and he's faithful to all people. How is he good and faithful to all people? Well, he gives them their food in due season in verse 15. He opens his hand and satisfies the desire of every living thing. So it's all, okay? That's the first group, all. What's the second group that he's faithful and righteous towards? Well, you look in verse 17. Um, it repeats that. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. And then in verse 18 he says, The Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth. So this has shifted slightly. The first group was everyone, all, all living thing, every living thing, all people. The second group is within that group, and it's all his people. It's all those who have called on him. And who are his. And there's a particular blessing for them, isn't there? Because it says that he is near to them. He is near to his people. They get the comfort of his presence and they know him as their Lord. And then in verse 19, he fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him. So within the all, the every living thing, you have God's people, those who have called on him and whom he has saved... He heard their cry and saves them. But there's another group. What's the other group? Verse 20, second half. The other group is those who are wicked and whom he will destroy. So get this, God is faithful. He says what he means and he means what he says. 
He always follows through on what he says. And he does that for all people. He provides for all people. He provides even more so in blessing with his presence for his people and with salvation. But you know what? He's faithful in what he says he's going to do about sin and evil in judgment. When David reflects on God's faithfulness, it ends up with thinking, he is going to do what he says he's going to do. And he said he's going to judge the wicked. So we are all in that first group. We all receive the faithfulness of God in giving us, providing for us. Only some of us are in that group where we've called on him and he has heard our cry and saved them, saved us. And some of us are still in the group where we are facing his judgment. And, and, and the message is the same. He will be faithful with his word. He will do what he says he's going to do. Or what he has already said he's going to do. And we can see that fulfilled through the cross, through his son Jesus, who died for sinners, and who will, will return as judge. So that's just a thought for us, isn't it? When we come to the faithfulness of God, what does it mean for us? If we're, if we're not forgiven, we will surely be judged. If we are forgiven, if we are one of his people, he is near to us. We will never be separated from him. David says in verse 21, My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. And he also invites us to join in praising God. Praising God for this, for the fact that he is good, he is faithful, he is righteous in all of his ways and kind in all his works, that he is gracious and compassionate, merciful, slow to anger and abounding in love. Really that, if we have understood God and and received his kindness and his mercy, that's the response, isn't it? (laughs) Praise you, thank you. I want to speak of you, not just to uh, tuneful songs on a Sunday, but praise is speaking of his mighty works, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, whoever we're with. And Mike, who used to preach here, he used to say, um, you know, you go to a football match, um, and one side, if you're standing with the home crowd singing the songs, you know, that's, that's sort of one side of what we may think praise is like but it's, where if, it's if you're standing in the away end and you're singing the same songs you know that really is saying look to my God when we speak of him when we share of his mighty works with our friends, with our neighbours who don't yet know him they're not praising him <laughs> they're not seeing who he is but that is true worship that's, that's praise so that they might hear. And what does it say? All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds. And so let's um, pray that that would be true of us if we're his people. Thank him for being near to us, for saving us and hearing our cry and preserving us for the day when we will see him face to face. And let's pray that we would be those who would also speak of his mighty works to others. And let's pray now. Father God, we thank you that you are faithful wherever we stand in all of history. Whoever we are, we can look back and see your faithfulness. You have kept every promise that you've made to your people. And you will keep every promise 
everything that you have said. And thank you that you call people to know you, that you are gracious towards them and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And Lord, yet you will punish the wicked in the end. So we pray that we would be those who would seek you here, seek you now. Plead with you for the mercy that we need. Call on you, the one who can help us. And we pray, having received your salvation, that we would boldly speak of you, not just to other Christians, uh, but to those who don't yet know you that we would be those who would speak of your mighty works in saving us, in saving a people for yourself, in a kingdom that is an everlasting kingdom and a rule that will never end. We praise you for all of these things. Amen.